Well, amen. I want to invite you to Acts chapter 19 today. We're going to be in that book, uh, that chapter for a lot today. And Greg, we're going to change a little bit what we said in the pre-service meeting. Good. Okay. So everybody's on the same page. Well, you'll be on the same page. We're on the same page, which was what matters. I, again, I want to encourage you before uh, we dive in, uh, make Tuesday our day of prayer priority. Uh, come and spend some time. Uh, sign up. Don't sign up. I'd like you to sign up, but I don't really care. Just come and pray and, and experience some time uh, with the Lord on Tuesday. Uh, the other thing I want to tell you about is uh, we've been praying for, oh, seems like 92 years. Uh, Regarding the building that we own on the corner of Friendswood Drive and Shadow Bend, we affectionately call it the 209. So if you're new to our church and you're like, what is this 209 thing he talks about all the time? It was actually a building. The address is 209 South Friendswood Drive. And we've gotten the permits for that uh, to begin remodeling that so that one day, hopefully soon, by the end of 2024, that will become our office area. Um, and a community space. So we have a fellowship hall that's going to through those doors, and then we have a big gym that's over there. The community space that will occupy that building will be in between uh, size of those two, the, our current fellowship hall and our gym. So when we host lots of community events and opportunities for our church, we'll be able to have those in there, plus our office area will go over there so that uh, we can fulfill our vision of uh, creating some space for our neighbors. That was kind of our goal a number of years ago, and we're going to talk more about that uh, in a few minutes. But uh, once that's done, we're going to remodel our current offices, which are a little small house right here, so that we can add some space for senior adults to have their small groups, their connect groups in on Sunday mornings, so they don't have to walk down the preschool hall, go up the elevator just to walk back down the hallway the opposite direction uh, to find their classroom. It'll be a, a great opportunity for them and open up some space upstairs for, for more uh, opportunities for groups. And so be praying about that. Uh, we're waiting on some final numbers as far as the construction cost, uh, but it is a huge blessing that we're finally getting that done. And so stay tuned and uh, watch for changes out there. So if you got a Bible and you've opened it to Acts chapter 19, uh, last week we talked about the naked exorcist. It was these seven sons of Sceva that thought they had lots of power and they had none. And they ran in to try to deal with this man who was possessed by evil spirit. Uh, that man beat him up, took all their clothes and ran him out of the house. And um, God did an amazing thing through that. And the word of the Lord spread all throughout Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey, bigger than Texas. And so we pick up the, the scene in Acts 19 verse 21, and we're about to encounter a riot. So if uh, exorcists and demons aren't enough. We got a riot today. Verse 21. Now, after these events, the exorcists, Paul resolved in, his, in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia, which is modern day Greece, and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. And the way is the name of the early Christians. That's what they called themselves and people called them. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines, shrines of Artemis, brought to, no little, brought to no little business to the craftsmen. 
These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from the business we have our wealth. From this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. Uh, Amen? Amen. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. That's a big statement. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, waited to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. This is an interesting little story. Because Christianity in this time period, we're in the first century AD, sometime in the 50s, and Christianity is beginning to spread all throughout Asia. That's Asia Minor's modern day Turkey. It's beginning to spread, and more and more people are turning away from their idol worship, their paganism, and turning to Christianity. And it's beginning to make an impact, and primarily an impact on local businessmen. And they're not too happy about it. And so Demetrius, this silversmith, says, uh, hey, uh, business is starting to slow. It's interesting to me as I think about Christianity, oftentimes, oftentimes people aren't against Christianity for these giant theological reasons. They're not even against Christianity for emotional reasons. Often they're against Christianity for economic reasons. Hmm. I have to change the way I think about what I have and what it's used for. And that's Demetrius here. Demetrius is this pagan silversmith who sees his business going in the tank because the impact of Christianity is so profound that people are burning their idols in the street, they're turning away from that, and they're following Jesus. And so he grabs all of his fellow silversmiths and other craftsmen together and said, guys, we got to do something about this. People are starting to going to talk about how bad our business is, like our own reputations are at stake here. And and oh, by the way, the great Artemis, the, the goddess, her name, her majesty, her magnificence is going to be diminished. If you were here last week, you saw what's left of the temple of Artemis. One little column. Yep, she lost her magnificence. And and all of Asia, if we don't hold tough here, 
all of Asia will lose who they worship. That's what he says, right? All of Asia who worships her. He has these grand, profound reasons why they should continue to, why they should do something about this Paul guy who's influencing way too many people. But the reality is they're losing money. At the end of the day, it's all about the money. Whether that's the NFL or your checking account. It's all about the money. And if you and I aren't careful, we might become a little bit like Demetrius and his friends. We, we might get sucked into sort of the cultural lure of it being all about me. We might get sucked into the, hey, the status quo is better than change, better than something different. We might get into this protectionist mentality about our stuff. At the end of the day, it's called selfishness. And if we're honest, all of us are naturally selfish. We're naturally selfish. We want it our way, in our time, and in our manner. And Christianity for Demetrius was threatening that way of life for him. And the truth is, Christianity threatens that way of life for all of us. Because Christianity is designed to be selfless, to give our lives away in every way possible. But the lure is still there. The lure of money and prestige and power and fame is there. The, the lure to, to have it all is there. And these guys just happen to connect their money to a, to a goddess, Greek goddess, who in Roman world. Her name is Diana. You might have heard of her if you ever watched Wonder Woman. Same that the, the archer, huntress, twin sister of Apollo, the sun god. And remember, mythology is what? A myth. Thank you very much. Uh, but Artemis is one of the 12 Olympians. She's the daughter of Zeus. They believe had great power and she is this archer, huntress, uh, associated with nature. That's who she was. She was the goddess of nature and animals. And, and their livelihood was pinned to her. Without her, they're nothing. They've got nothing. And so what do we pin our hopes to when it comes to our selfishness, the, the lure of the world to, to grasp onto it? Because the lure of financial security, the lure of dollars, the lure of, hey, I'm doing great and I'm climbing the ladder, it's there all the time. We pay attention to how much is in our retirement account. You might be watching the stock market. Maybe you're looking for the promotion at work. Or, my goodness, let's go to work at Bucky's. Like, how good do they pay? Right? And you're just walking the signs like, I, I want to be an assistant manager at Bucky's. Maybe you, you have greater aspirations, like your TikTok dance is going to become famous one day, and, and the followers are going to just pay you, and you're going to monetize that. 
That side hustle of yours of selling planners on Canva and Etsy is just going to win the day. Or you're awesome at FanDuel. Hopefully you don't know what that is, but probably you all do. Because you know how to parlay three events in the Super Bowl or four, whatever it is. Or maybe you want to be Daniel Mack. I'd like to be Daniel Mack or Mr. Beast. You just give away half a million dollars because you had 10 billion from goofy videos and meeting rich people who drive super luxury cars. So now you can all Google these people later for those of you that are older than all these guys. But the lure is there for all of us that, that sort of money and prestige and self-promotion drives us. And that's what's happening here. All in the vein of worship. All in the vein of livelihood. All in the vein of work. But at the end of the day, it's selfishness. And you and I need to guard against that. Because God has provided us with jobs and homes and money and all those things. And he's asked us not to be the owners of those things. He's asked us to be stewards, managers. He owns it all. He is the giver of all good gifts. He is the one who provides. And he asks us to simply steward all that he's given us. That's why I'm grateful that since February of 2020, the month before the world stopped, and, and since then, you, hundreds of people in our church, have given over $3 million to help us get new carpet and chairs and extend the stage, to build a parking lot, to renovate the 209 that I keep talking about, to do some changes over in our student area, to help us manage that $3 million in addition to the everyday budget. What a joy that is to say, you know what, Lord, it's yours. And so if, if you've been giving to our Prepare the Way campaign, if you know what that is, thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a good steward of God's resources. But we're all called to, to be good stewards of God's resources. And, and part of that is how we worship. And part of that is what we do with our dollars. Because worship isn't just coming in here it just isn't, hey, I got it once a week, 11 to 12.05-ish, depending on how long winded David is. We're, we're good. No, worship is a daily response for you to engage with your Heavenly Father. And a part of that worship is saying, Lord, I know you own it all. And so here, here, Lord, I, I, I want to return to you as a part of my worship, an, an offering so I'm reminded of the great blessing that you've been to me. I want to honor you because you've honored me. And so I want to be financially responsible to advance the kingdom. I want to give to things that advance the kingdom. I don't want to hold my time, talent, and resource to myself. I don't want to be selfish. I want to live a lifestyle of worship that honors you. And part of that is through giving. And Demetrius and his silversmith buddies pagans as they were, they had no idea what that meant. They were only about themselves. And too often, it's too easy for we, for us as believers to fall into that same trap, that whatever I get is mine. 
And we miss the opportunity to be selfless, to, to worship, to honor the Lord. We get it backwards. And when we get it backwards, often we get other people to help defend us in our backwards thinking. We pull others into our backwards thinking, just like Demetrius did. He grabbed all his friends and said, hey guys, this isn't good. We got to do something about this. Like we're, our status quo is at stake here. You ever been there where like somebody ruffled your feathers and I'll solve this. Get two or three friends and you charge the hill. And that's what they did. They charged the hill. They started a riot. Now I imagine silversmiths and craftsmen weren't like the upper crust of society even back then. And so I'm sure it wasn't hard for them to get a riot going. They were mad because someone was messing with their money and they were going to go and do something about it. And so they rush into the city center and they go to the theater and along the way they grab a bunch of people to go with them and just start this giant ride and they go into the theater and that theater in Ephesus still exists today. I showed it to you if you were here a few weeks ago and I'll show it to you again. There it is. That's a different angle but it's 25,000 seat theater. 25,000 seats still exist today. That photo was taken in November. 25,000 seat stadium. Imagine the Toyota Center built into the side of a mountain. That's where they went. And they grabbed a bunch of people and rushed in there and they all started chanting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. My goodness, she didn't hear you at all. She didn't hear you. And when... They get there, Paul is not too happy. The guy who, who, the, who the whole problem is all about, this guy Paul, who's sharing Jesus, who's living a life different from the rest of the world, and he's influencing thousands of other people to change their lifestyle, to follow after Jesus, and to live a life with open-handedness, to be a person of selflessness, to walk away from the, the lure of the culture. And so he's ready to go in there and defend himself, and the gospel, we're, we want to defend ourselves all the time, don't we? When someone wrongs us, when someone says something bad about us or false, or they put something on Facebook or uh, social media, we're like, mm, I'll tell them. And so he rushes to the theater. And most scholars believe that he got to the outside of the theater, which looks like this. Uh, that's the outside of the theater. Man, isn't that dynamic looking? So that rubble at the bottom is actually the pathway into the theater. That tall kind of broken down wall is the outer edge of the upper stage. So that theater was so big that they had three stages, an upper stage, a middle stage, and then like a ground level stage, which you saw in the, in the previous photo. And so that's the outer wall of the upper stage. So most scholars think he was standing right there and his friends were like holding him back, like, look, dude, settle down. It's okay. Just relax. You don't need to go in there. Bunch of crazy silversmiths. Like, they'll tear you up. You'll lose. It's a great reminder to us that sometimes we don't need to defend ourselves. We don't. We, we, we don't have to answer back. We don't have to respond to the text. We, we don't have to 
call them back. We don't have to go to the office and say, here are the 10 things that you missed. We don't have to do that. We don't need to defend ourselves. When the Lord is on our side and there's spiritual matters at stake, the Lord will fight our battles for us. The Lord will fight our battles. And so sometimes it's important that you listen to your friends who are wise and smart and tell you just to slow down. Wait a second. Don't do anything rash. Just listen. It's okay. Listen to them in those moments. Because this crowd was disorganized. They didn't know what was going on. They had no idea what was happening. Some were chanting one thing. Some were chanting another. Verse 32 says they, they had no idea where they were gathering. Reminds me a lot of gatherings over the last three or four years. Nobody really knows why we're gathering. We're just following the crowd. When you got that, you don't need to step into that. Listen to your friends who say, just wait. And so all they can do is shout, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And did you see, look, look back there with me in the scripture. Look at verse 34. They recognized that Alexander was a Jew for two hours. Two hours they chanted, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. We, we get tired of singing the same song for three and a half minutes. I like most of you Aggies, but, you know, your stuff at games is, whoo. And that's the same deal, right, for three plus hours for a college football game. Or the Chiefs, ooh, you know. Like, that, that's, that's the scene here. For two hours straight, they're just chanting. No real rhyme or reason. Like, chaos abounds we don't need to defend ourselves against chaos. We don't need to step into that as followers of Christ. Let crazy people be crazy people. And it's okay. Please don't infer that I think Aggies are crazy. Okay? Don't infer that. Some of you, I know you Aggies, you would. God loves you. And so do I. Uh, but... But this here, as, as you think about that, the pagan world, that's all they have. All they have is to shout themselves hoarse. That's all they have. So why would we try to step into that and defend in some way that's going to be useless? There are times when we don't need to defend ourselves or the gospel because I want to remind you who our God is. Look at verse 35. And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there? Who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open. And there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. 
But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today. Since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. He says two great things here in this little passage. This is a city clerk who doesn't know Jesus. But he says something important that we need to pay attention to. He says, don't you know that we, the city of Ephesians, the city of Ephesus, is the keeper of the temple of Artemis? That's a powerful statement. Because what he's saying in that moment is that the great goddess of Artemis, the, one of the 12 Olympians, relies on lowly humans to keep her place okay. That's what he's saying. That she, the powerful goddess, relies on frail humans to keep her place okay. Our God doesn't need keeping. Our God doesn't need guarding. Our God doesn't need to be protected. Our God is mighty and powerful. He is the creator of all things. And so don't ever be confused that God somehow needs one of us. No, he desires relationship with you and me. He loves us unconditionally. But he can handle himself. That's why we don't need to go and defend everything. Because often, those who are shouting the loudest can only shout until they're hoarse and then they have nothing left. And so trust in our powerful, mighty, all-knowing, redeeming God who loves us. And then recognize that sometimes, sometimes even pagans can see the goodness of believers. And sometimes those same pagans have wisdom that helps you and me. This great town clerk, this city clerk, he was wise beyond his years. He was able to settle that crowd down of thousands of people who were chanting the whole time and said, hey guys, pay attention. Like this Paul guy, he's not blaspheming Artemis. No, he's got his own thing he's proclaiming. And if you're not careful, we're all going to be guilty of starting a riot, which is an, which is an offense. And so settle down. Go home, relax. And so be encouraged that sometimes even the people who don't follow Jesus, they can provide some good insight. And they can recognize when you and I live a life different. And they see the goodness that we bring. And so it should always propel us to be a bright light, a shining example of God's goodness and grace and forgiveness and mercy in front of people who don't know Jesus. Make sure our witness stays strong in front of those who don't know Christ because they'll recognize our goodness. And this city clerk ended up being the defender of Paul. And the crowd dispersed. There was no harm done to Paul or Alexander or any of his friends. And so as you think about this kind of strange story of, of riots and silversmiths and 
Greek goddesses. I, I want you to think about this morning your propensity to selfishness. How easy you do you get lured in the trap of it's all about me? We're, we're all guilty. But God's called us to, to walk through life open-handed for him. Maybe you're in a situation where you're in a struggle or a, a difficult time, and maybe there's some conflict in your world, and you always want to defend yourself. Maybe the Lord is telling you, let me defend you. Let others defend you. Just trust in me. Just trust in me. And so I want to encourage you today as you think about how you live, how, you, how others view you. Do they see that you live a lifestyle of worship? That you exhibit characters of goodness and grace? And that you don't get riled up even when everybody else is riled up? You can remain calm and steady. It's what God calls us to do. And so I want to pray for you this morning. And during our response time in a moment when Brandon and the, and the team are leading us, I want to invite you just to come and pray and say, Lord, help me to keep my mind and my heart and my desires focused on the things that you long for. Not my stuff, my things, my way, but the things that you long for. If there's conflict in your life today, maybe you come and pray and say, Lord, help me to know how to defend myself or not. And you speak to me and you lead me. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your provision in our life, how you sustain us in every way.